This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey friends, it's another episode of The Real Mom Podcast. It's Jamie here, and I have another good one for you. Today I talked to Amanda Carpenter, the foster mom to three boys. We have a great conversation talking about saying yes outside what you thought you were going to say yes to and jumping in and out of the role of motherhood, not just foster mom, but motherhood. Uh, showers and celebrating foster care and not knowing how to do that, and then creating space as a mom, finding time to connect with the Lord and to connect with your husband, and then to just find rest yourself. I loved getting to talk to Amanda. She just has a beautiful perspective and shared it with us today in such a generous way. I hope you enjoy this episode. I know you will. Here's my conversation with Amanda Carpenter. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you today. You are one of those mamas that I love to follow on Instagram and follow along with your story and just hear your heart. So I'm excited to connect with you. Can you just start off by telling us a little bit about you and your family? Sure. Uh, I live in Chicago. I'm married to a guy I call E. We have three foster sons and no biological children. We um, just bought our first house. And so it feels kind of like we're planting roots for the first time. I am a former school teacher turned full-time writer, speaker, advocate, um, which is a much longer journey with a ton of twists and turns yeah. in it. But um, that's kind of just a brief, you know, who we are. So did you stop teaching to be home with your kids or was it really like, I'm going to like turn the page from teaching to this whole advocacy writing Correct. So I left teaching just more because I love kids and I love teaching, but I don't love them in the same room. So I realized <laughs> I realized I love teaching women and I love being okay. a mom and having kids, right. but I didn't have to spend my life uh, in a job I didn't I didn't enjoy anymore. And so I just made a decision to leave teaching. And like I said, it was a long winding road. I ended up in marketing for a while. And then I worked at my church for a while. And it wasn't until I was actually bringing in enough um, financially as a writer and a speaker to make that switch to doing it full time. So how long have you been a foster parent? So we've been a foster parent. We've been fostering for not quite three years. Okay. Um, I'm so bad with like numbers and time. Amazing. My husband makes fun of me. He's always like, you're embellishing. I'm like, I don't mean to be, I just think everything is longer than this. <laughs> so I could be a little off on the timing, but um, we've had 14 kids. Well now so we just got our two younger ones. So it's kind of weird, but we've had 16 kids total. Okay. Some were for really short places, yeah, like yeah. a weekend, but yeah, we just counted sure. all of them. And a lot of them were like sibling groups. So when people are like, wait, how have you had that many in such a short time? It's like, well, it's been sibling groups. It's been short time. Like some have just been for the weekend and we yeah. just counted them because we have said yes, not knowing how long any of them are going to be for. Some have been just really brief emergency placements and some have been much longer. But um, yeah, that's... That's well, and there's this, this strange, like intense connection, I think even with the short ones, because my brother was asking me this the other day, like, what's the difference between this and babysitting someone's kid for a little while? And, but I think even those weekend placements, what I said to him is that child does not have a mom to care for them at that moment, which means... I'm not just like babysitting. I'm standing in as a mom. And even if it's only for two days, like that is a heavy weight to carry. And there is like a, I don't like babysitting. I hate babysitting. I don't really, like some of my friends really connect with my kids and other, I connect with my children and my foster children. <laughs> but there's something about like this kid needs a mom that, I, you know, they count in my number too, because there was this like, I'm your mom right now. You're in my home and I am the one who's responsible for you. 
Exactly. And like for us, I don't know about you, but it's rarely been that we've known up front. It was just going exactly. to be or it no. was just going to be a couple nights. It's usually we say yes, not knowing how long it's going to be. And then if it is a short thing, um, maybe they end up being placed with their sibling who happens to already be in care, or maybe yeah. they um, got moved to a relative. They found, found someone who's going to have, you know, to keep them for a time or whatever it is. But I think that's the biggest difference too, is like babysitting. It's like, yeah, they have a parent and you're doing this, you know, you know, it's a short time thing and you're not trying to step in and be their mom. Um, and then, you know, whereas your foster children, you are stepping in as their yeah. parent and you don't have a clue how long it's going to be. So I, totally yeah, so I've had kids for two days that I've run around all of New Jersey getting a bed and getting clothes because you're like, you're preparing to have a child. And it could just be for two days or it could be forever. Now, exactly. I can't imagine, I have other children. I can't imagine what that would be like for you not having other biological children to step in and out of that mom role. That must be super intense. Yes, I would say it's been, I think that's what's made my journey so complex. And I've had a hard time even relating to other foster moms because most of the foster moms that I know are also biological moms. And so they wear the title of mom all the time. And yeah. it's, it's maybe just, I won't say it's an easier transition, but it's just a different transition to bring kids into their family because their family dynamic has pretty much stays the same, whether their foster kids are in the home or not. And for my husband and I, we go from being a young married couple who right. to like go out whenever you town. want in Chicago. <laughs> yes, like have the time of our life to suddenly we are a family with kids. And it's just it has definitely been harder in that sense than I ever thought it would be. And it took me this long to even feel like I was a mom because I think mm. so many people also were just like, well, you're not, you're just like for now, like yeah, you just take your kids for time. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so to that mom who is you, like you said, a lot of us have other children who stay even as the others come and go speak to that mom. Who's either a single mom or doesn't have other biological children and is just meaning just as in not to make less of it, but only a foster mom, speak to her right now with what has carried you or helped you through that. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. I would just say, yeah, don't let anyone try to make you feel, um, first of all, don't let anyone make you feel anything. Like we, we are in control <laughs> so of what we experience and what we feel and, and don't let anyone talk down on your experience or, or try to diminish or suppress the grief that you go through when a child leaves your care or how much you might be craving that space of like, Oh my gosh, we're in the thick of it with kids. And this is so hard. I, I have these moments where I'm like, I can't wait for them to leave or like, I just need a right. break. But then when I don't have them, they're all I long for. And that that's okay. That, that having that mixed bag of emotions pretty much at all times is, is totally okay. And you're not alone in that. So I would say that I would just say um, that title of mom does not come from carrying a child. That title of mom does not come if you um, have a child with you at all times, um, but that you really earn it when you say, I love you unconditionally for as long as you're in my care. And even when you're not in my home anymore, living under my roof, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there for you. And that's why we are constantly telling people this whole idea of like getting to attach, which doesn't really exist, but right. We want to encourage people to get to attach, get to attach to the whole family, get to attach yeah. so that when they leave, you stay in touch and they come back to you. Like we have a former love who is now 18 and she texts me and like, I work with her on getting her driver's license and a job. And like, I helped her get her first debit card and how to manage money. And that was long after she was out of our care. Right. So, I kind of, I go off on these tangents because I just feel so passionately about the long-term relationship, regardless of how long they're under your roof. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I think the fact that it changes you forever because either that child is in your home and so clearly, clearly your life has changed forever or that child isn't in your home and they have taken a piece of you and you wonder about them and you worry about them and you pray for them. And there's just always going to be like things aren't the same because I loved a child in this really deep and like divine way. Then I take pictures 
with our kids and it doesn't matter to me how long they're with us if we're doing family photos yeah. and we're on vacation in florida like i my in-laws know this my parents know this like everyone knows like that child is going to be in that picture because this is our family that's our family and we don't know what this looks like a month from now a week from now a month from now a year from now but that season of life i would hate to not have it's just weird to me to not have them in that and so yeah yeah i to- i totally echo everything you're saying I love that you hit that, like, don't let anyone make you feel a certain way. So let's talk about the different, like, preconceived notions that people have about us as foster parents and all of that. What are some of the things that you have faced and Mm -hmm. some things that maybe other people don't understand? Yeah, I think perhaps it's because of my location being in Chicago. Um, but there are a lot of where I'm from, there's a lot of conservative people and where I live now, there's a lot of liberal people. And so people's views and stances on things related to foster care, pro-life, pro-choice, all of the above sort of, uh, just going to go broader here, um, have caused, I think people to not really know me, not ask me questions, but just view me from what 2% they see online. And I say 2% because that's about what you're getting through the lens of social media is 2% of who I am in my life. And to come up with judgment or write stories about who I am as a foster parent. And I catch myself doing this to other people too. So I'm not saying this is that I'm, you know, better than other people. Like I do it too, but I think we have to be aware of the stories we're writing and the judgments that we're uh, coming up with because there's a good chance that it's not the whole story and we've got it wrong. And so for example, I can't share the details of my children's stories on social media and what I can share. Sometimes I will, uh, sometimes I won't still, but sometimes I will share the little bits that I can. And again, because people don't have the whole story, they'll write their own stories or cast their own judgments that maybe we are not including the birth parents um, enough. We, you know, why, why don't you have them over for dinner? You always have your friends over. Why don't you have them over for dinner? And it's like, well, in some cases in the past, we've been able to do that. But with our current children, we're not allowed to for safety or we're not allowed to because it's triggering um, them because of the abuse or neglect that they've experienced. Right. So I don't give those details online, but it's like people will, I think kind of attack or send these messages where I just want to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And some I've learned, I've been learning to just not respond because it was taking up too much of my time and energy. But that's one preconceived notion I think is like, oh, you're not actually for the birth parents. It's like, oh, I am sister. Like Mm -hmm. I am trying, but you don't see what I see. You don't experience what I experience on a day-to-day basis. You're not there when that child makes their mom a Mother's Day present and shows up for visitation and she doesn't come and then they're sad and they walk home with that present. You know, you're not there when we do a, a FaceTime with mom, but she's on drugs, right? Like you're not there for these things. And so that's just one that I think in recent time has come up where I feel like it that there are people that are so for the preservation of family and so for the reunification that they forget that that's, that there are times where that's not in the best interest of a child and that they don't know the whole story. And so, well, and part of what you're talking about, I think is unique to the platforms that we have, but part of it isn't, I mean, part of it is us walking in the grocery store with, you know, right now all my kids look like me, but even just a gaggle of children or kids who don't look like you Mm -hmm. and just the different questions that you may, they may speak them right out to you or even just you read it on their faces or, um, I think what you're saying of like, we only know so much of people's stories and those people, us, whoever else we may come in contact with, they need compassion no matter what. I mean, the bottom line is we don't need to know the stories in order to extend compassion on people. I mean, it's it's easier, I think, when we know the stories, but that's kind of not even the point. The point is not walking in judgment of other people mm-hmm. um, and really just having compassion. Yeah, totally. And and that's, you. I think you kind of touched on this, but like none of my children have looked like me. So here I am as a white woman and I've only had children of color. 
all of them. Now that's bringing up a different topic, which I just wrote about um, to my email subscribers on the racism, racism that's embedded in foster care, which is again, a whole other can of worms. However, I feel like as a white foster parent, I'm doing everything that I can as authentically as I can to make sure my children still experience their culture, that they're around people who look like them, that uh, we read books that have characters that look like them. Uh, we have discussions, especially with our 13 year old son about how we're white and he's black and how does that make him feel? And like, we talk about it. We're so open with it. We're not trying to be like, Oh, we're colorblind and we don't see anything. No, we know. Um, but again, in my 2% of what I share online, that's not always like out there. And so I'll get some of these people who are like, you should really be doing this. And it's like, a, I already am or, or B thanks for letting me know. I've, I've never thought of that, but like, yeah. it's just interesting to me. We go straight for this like attack where we're, it feels like sometimes people are looking for, how can I tear you down or make you feel like you're not, it's just, it's just been crazy to me. And then there have been times where I'm like, I'm never posting about foster care on social media ever again. And then I'm like, no, because there have been a handful of people who've said, we finally took our first steps to get licensed because we followed your account and you've shared both like the beauty and the goodness and the hardships so vulnerably and real that it's made them think like, okay, we could do this. It's not superheroes doing this. These are ordinary people just like us. So then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll stay on. (laughs) Yeah. Those comments are just the craziest when people are like, I read this and then because the, I, I think I've probably shared about this before, but I had this like crisis a few years ago of like when you start to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and I'm like there are so many kids and I can only take so many and I would like I just had I was overwhelmed by the need and by my limits and besides just having to work through all the hard stuff behind that of like entrusting them to God and not carrying this you know not having this savior thing and and understanding my small role in this my husband really just gave me faith for like you may be able to do more by inspiring other people so it's like the extension of of care by just sharing words and advocating and inspiring people to jump in and thinking of all the lives that could be changed because of that it is like not to be super corny but that whole like pebble ripple effects and i think again this is a little bit unique to you and i with our platforms but it's also not because everyone has a platform every person bringing your kid into school and fighting at the IEP meetings or walking into church and standing on stage and dedicating their adopted child or whatever it may be, they are using that platform. They're walking into the grocery store to advocate for the need of people to stand up for these kids and for these children to be viewed as precious and loved. And and I think like the more that we can all really have vision for the way our lives speak and preach is just huge. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you. So I want to get a little more personal, even though I was so tempted to say, let's open the can of worms and just give me your, whole, like read to me whatever you wrote to your email subscribers, because I would love to jump into that more. But I want to talk about um, the kids who are in your home right now and just what it's been like to mom your three sons. So I know that one of them has been in your home longer. Is that right? How long has he been with you? Just since April. So we're just over the four month mark. Okay. So the siblings weren't together. So clearly it's everyone's goal to try to get them together. Did you when you came into this or even just four months ago, have vision for having three boys, three siblings in your home? No, I'm shaking my head. Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, no. We got the call for D, our 13-year-old love, through our agency. We're specialized, so I don't know if I mentioned that before. but um, No, so what does that mean for your state? Because like, we don't have that in New Jersey. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. So for the state of Illinois, you have preventative care, you have traditional care, and you have specialized care. 
um, specialized care, which is what we do, means that once kids come into care, if they have severe behavior challenges or medical needs, then they have to go like into one of the specialized agencies. And basically foster parents like us who are specialized just have like extra training and have agreed to take in these children who are going to have more severe needs and challenges. So because I think what they were finding, if I understand the history behind it correctly, what they were finding was that these foster parents were taking in these kids who maybe one is um, a chronic fire starter, like loves to start fires. Um, Well, like any parent, that's going to freak them out. And they're going to be like, I can't keep this kid, like get this kid out of my house. Right. But if people knew up front, like, Hey, you're getting a child who has a history of starting fires and like has a fascination with this. And we want to make sure that you're as prepared as possible to foster this child with this need, or, or let's say again, like a a severe medical condition, or maybe it's a child in foster care who has down syndrome. Um, perhaps that's not the best fit for one family, but, um, it's a good fit for another. Right. So now can I ask you real quick, do you, I mean, clearly you signed on for that. Do you feel better equipped because you don't have other children in your home to be able to care for a child who, let's just say, for example, is a fire starter. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like that there, that's like a different um, resource that you're able to bring us to the table? Yeah. I, what drew me to specialized care as I talked through it with my husband was these are the most, not that there's one like better than the other. Again, I don't know like that, but these are the most like our agency works with Chicago's most vulnerable children because they're not only in care, but they're the kids that quote, nobody wants. And I hate to say it like that, but they're the kids who they've either just like our 13 year old spent most of their uh, recent life in the psych ward, not getting out just because nobody is willing to take them based on their history. And like they're either homicidal or suicidal or again, fire starter or whatever the case is. And we felt like, well, this is kind of a gift of not having biological children. Because if I had biological children, I can tell you right now, I probably would not welcome that in. Because if I knew that a child that I'm bringing in, any child could harm another child, of course. But if I knew this child was just recently out of the psych ward for homicidal and suicidal behaviors, I probably wouldn't bring them in around my, my kid, right? So we were like, well, we don't have biological children. So like, what a gift that we could do this and feel more confident doing it, I guess you could say. And, um, a lot of these children in specialized care aren't allowed to be with other kids. So we also went into it kind of thinking we were only going to have one at a time Okay, okay. when we started doing specialized care. Yeah. So when we, when we got D again, he had been in the psych ward. He had just moved to a residential, which is like group home. And then we got him and he, you know, he had all these labels. He was severely medicated. It was just all this stuff. And they said he was never going to be successful in a quote unquote, like traditional setting of a fan of like a family. You were like challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. Quite literally. Actually yeah. our agency had come to us and they said, we've got a little baby with a heart condition. So they like that baby was with our agency going through our agency because of his severe medical need. Yeah. And then we have a 13 year old and they literally said that nobody wants. Oh, and my God. husband was the one I was like leaning. I'm not going to lie. I was totally leaning towards the baby. I was like, we never had a baby. That would be fun. We've only done like school age children pretty much at this point. And I was like, well, baby would be fun. And we went and met the baby and we learned how we would care for him with his heart condition. He was going to get like three heart surgeries in the first year. And so it's going to be a lot of hospital stay. And I was up for it. But then my husband reminded me, he was like, why don't we at least let them see like just in the next couple of days, if there's any other foster families who, who would like to care for this, this child, because they're telling us there's a 13 year old that they cannot seem to place who's been waiting. And he was like, we got into this because we wanted to be the home that for that kid, for that kid. Yes. That could take that child who wasn't allowed to be placed with other kids at all. So D when he came to us was not allowed to be placed with other kids, you know, and, and all these other things. So what hits me about that is just like, we all bring our unique resources that that was like your resource. That was like something you could offer up that not everyone can. And just seeing how, how uniquely, gifted, even if it doesn't feel like a talent, like a gift that God gave you that then you could give and open to another child. Absolutely. I totally agree. Hey friends, just taking a second to tell you about one of my favorite 
companies. They are called Fawn and Foster, and I absolutely love their products and their mission and their partnership. Fawn and Foster is a baby essentials brand, and they donate 50%. This is not a small kickback. 50% goes right to helping foster children in the U.S. Everything they sell is organic. Baby essentials, muslin swaddles, those really high quality and beautiful pattern, burp claws, bandana bibs, which are adorable, nursing covers, reversible quilts. I love their products. I use them with all my babies. And the best part is every purchase directly helps a foster child. Their products make the perfect gift for any mom. Their beautiful packaging and the mission statement is right there. And here's the deal. If you purchase from them, they will support Foster the Family and the work that we do in bringing supplies to foster children immediately after they're placed in a foster home and supporting that family holistically throughout the placement. All you have to do is go to their website, fawnandfoster.com, and use the code FOSTERFAMILY. Pretty simple. All together, foster family. And that is fawnandfoster.com. So then the way his two younger brothers came into our care is actually quite a sad story. It wasn't even like, oh, let's get all the kids together. We had had one sibling visit because we were advocating for that when we found out that Dee had, he actually has numerous siblings, um, but that, yeah, they're all over the place, which is common in foster care. And so when we found out about two of his brothers, we, you know, kind of pushed for, let's try to get a visit, you know, so we nudged and they were able to make a visit happen. What, what ended up happening was there were some things revealed in that visit that I questioned, am I just being overly protective? Am I, yeah. am, do I just have, I questioned, do I just have too high of standards or ideas about what a foster family should look like and tr- how they should treat their foster children? But I couldn't shake what we witnessed. And so we presented that information and just said, I mean, they knew our motivation was not like, we want these kids. Right. (laughs) The thought of a five and a nine-year-old was like, no, thank you. Like, just because D in himself as a 13-year-old is a handful. But um, just from a place of wanting to be sure that someone checked in on some of the things that we noticed, they ended up doing an investigation and it took, you know, everything took a couple of weeks. And um, one day I got a call and they were like, Hey, so thank you for reporting what you did. It led to investigation. We have shut that foster home down. It actually was a foster home, not through our agency. They were directly through the state. Um, and they were like, so now we need to place these boys. They're currently getting treated at the hospital. Could you get them, um, like ASAP? And I was like, uh, what? So called my husband, we talked, We were in the midst of this move to our new house and so it felt crazy. And we just kind of felt like we needed to put our oxygen mask on first before we helped anyone else. You know, when you're on an airplane and they say that. So for us, that meant we need 30 days. And we said, can you put them in a rest at home for 30 days? And then we we would be happy to bring them into our care, sort of like D indefinitely. And they were like, yes, we can, we can do that. We can honor that, which was really great. So they went to a rest at home for 30 days where they were loved and cared for by a a family in our agency. And then they were able to move in with us and they've only been with us for, I think today's like two weeks and a day or something. So still very, very new. Yeah. So are you like catching your breath now? I mean, I'm surprised that we're having this conversation two weeks in because I think sometimes a week or two in, I'm still like, oh my gosh, what is life and who am I? Yeah, totally. I feel like this one, this transition is a little bit smoother maybe than past transitions because we did take that 30 days to prepare and we were able to be proactive instead of getting a call in 10 minutes later, having kids dropped off at our door. So I told my husband, I was like, I'm so grateful that you kind of encouraged us or me to take that 30 days. Cause I was like, no, but if we don't take it, like, yes. Yeah, like, then they're, yes, like right. I'm always like in crisis drama mode. And he's the one who's like, so steady and like, we need 30 days period end of story. And, and I'm so grateful for that because even though it makes me angry in the moment, sometimes <laughs> it's definitely was like the right decision for us this time around. And we were able to get the boys enrolled in a camp at our church. And so like they're 
spending most of their daytime at a camp where they're having fun and they're with other kids and they're able to just be kids. And then I'm also able to get work done here at home yeah. and breathe and clean and do laundry. And so I think that's been really helpful. And we also, for the first time ever, accepted someone creating a meal train for us. And I am so glad we did because... Well, I'm so glad someone offered for the first time. And I'm so glad that we accepted that offer because having someone bring dinner once or twice a week in these first few, you know, weeks together has been really helpful. Um, just takes one thing off my plate. And you know what? We do that for people when they have a biological child, Amen. Like a newborn baby. So why would we not treat our foster families the same way? Like we're going through the equally as much transition, if not more in our own way with the trauma that we're dealing with. Oh, for sure. All that that brings. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Hold on. This is like a total tangent. You, as someone who didn't have biological children first, I was just having a conversation with my sister-in-law who's becoming a foster mom before parenting before. And, and I was like, do we throw you a shower? Like, it's so hard because I think that she deserves this moment of like celebration as a mom. They deserve gifts for a child like we give gifts for for any child so why not but how do you do it when they may be taking in an eight-year-old boy or a preemie girl like did anyone do anything for you so our closest friends and our parents like our family and like my husband's siblings and like our parents they all like gave us gifts like books and things for the girls when we got our first placement which was twin girls um, that were th- twin three-year-old girls. So after the placement, but it was after it was like, we got them. And then they yeah. were like, Oh my gosh, like we're sending all these things to you. And it was so great and so helpful. And then between the girls and the boys that we have now, we had a whirlwind of a multitude of kids and we didn't really get anything, um, for those kids specifically, unless we bought it ourselves, which is totally fine. And a lot of them were shorter, you know, maybe two month placements, things like that. But what I think I've thought a lot about this since. And so yeah. my advice would be in showers feel kind of funny to me because fostering, like you're right. We want to honor the person who's like making this choice to become a mom in their own way. But it also feels a very, like it's about me when fostering isn't about us. Right. So a part of me thinks like, sure, some sort of like shower that's celebrating their choice with their closest friends and family. Like that's, that's great. That's fine. But perhaps it's you, I think it's the way that it's done is probably like the, the difference there. But I think just when they get their first placement, um, no matter if it's a night or a weekend or a month or however long it is having an Amazon wish list set up where they put the items that they need or think they'll need or, um, and then people can just click it, buy it, and then it's shipped directly to them. I think that's a great, great way to go about it. And looking for things that could be, that are universal, that can be used for either male or female for, you know, a toddler or a 10 year old. I know that's kind of hard, but there are things like books, right? Everyone needs a ton of books. If you're going to have kids or like we have this little play train set and we've had three-year-olds love it and our 13-year-old plays with it. So, (laughs) and that's the other thing too. Most of the kids that you end up getting have had a part, if not all of their childhood stolen from them. And so they kind of go back in time and become these little kids who just want to play and want to be played with. And so I would say like board games and like universal unisex toys and books, like those are some of the best ways that you can contribute if someone doesn't have children and is becoming a foster parent for the very first time. Yeah. 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 It's such a weird thing because you want to celebrate someone like walking this journey and you want to come alongside them and be like, yes, like we were saying before, like you are a mother and we're, but then it's always a strange thing because part of a shower is you're celebrating a new life being born and like, well, no, we're not celebrating this child coming into foster care, but then we're also rejoicing that they're in your family. And it's just like, it's like everything else in foster care, which is like two things at once, broken and beautiful. Yes. And, you know, but I do think that as the people surrounding foster parents, we need to find a way to come alongside of them and to make them feel loved and encouraged and supported and to celebrate this child being in this family. Yes. And and that we love them and are coming alongside of them, even in the midst of like all the, the things that aren't happy about it. 
Yes, I totally agree. And in addition to like an Amazon wish list or a shower or however people want to do it, meal trains, like seriously, just like a newborn child being birthed and, and coming home from the hospital and that transition, whether I get a 13 year old boy or a six year old girl or twin three year olds or whatever I end up getting, like in terms of a placement, it's a whirlwind. It's a transition. And I welcome all the dinners possible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like even that just people in, in your community stepping up and saying, Hey, we're going to bring you guys a meal. We're just going to drop it off. I, I, it's not that I maybe don't have time to cook, but it's just so much is going on. Right. Yeah, so exactly. It's, just, it's a way to, it's a way to support or send a gift card for Papa John's pizza. Exactly. It's just it such a tangible to, way to love. Right. Yes. Okay. So how do you practically stay connected with your husband, stay connected with the Lord, find rest, all of that. I love that we're talking two weeks into a pretty significant transition and placement. What does it look like for you to be okay? <laughs> mm, yeah, I love this question. I I wrote a devotional called Space and it came out of a season where I had none and I was craving space. I was craving mm. space to, to breathe, to be with God, to be with my husband, to uh, have a social life, like all the things. I just felt like I had no space. And that's probably how any new mom feels. And right. so that devotional in it really goes through this journey where I feel like God really taught me how to have healthier rhythms in my life of work and rest and play. And um, so now because of that whole journey that I went through with the Lord, and then it's been fun to produce something out of it, that's tangible for people. Mm. I really do practice what I preach. So I go off social media for at least 24 hours every week. Lately, it's been um, Friday night till Sunday morning. I will stay off. So it's all Saturday. Um, so I, that's my weekly Sabbath. And it, for me, it includes not being on social, not doing anything obligatory and just being delighted in by God and delighting in, my family and my people, my neighborhood, my community, what, whatever. And so it's doing things for enjoyment. I'm not productive. And I just, um, I really try to check in instead of checking out. So I think a lot of times when we want to rest or have space, we will scroll on our phone or watch Netflix or whatever, because that feels good. But oftentimes that's a way that we check out and we sort of numb out and we waste our space mm. when in reality, not that those things are all bad and it's not like I'm perfect and never do those things, of course, but I really try to focus on checking in. So checking in is going to therapy. I go to individual counseling and my husband and I go to marriage counseling and we only go once a month. So it's not like we go like, we're not like these crazy people who make time for it weekly or something. We go once a month as an intentional check-in. It's just a proactive measure. We've been with our counselor for the whole time we've been fostering. And so that's nice. She's watched our journey from before we were foster parents to now. And it's just a great way that we come in there and anything that needs to come up comes up and we are able to like work through it and just feel like united and empowered when we leave to like, I literally walk out of her office most of the time, or I, I think we walk out of her office most of the time and feel just like we can take on anything. Like we feel like a power couple when we go, when we leave therapy, right? Because of and the so, unity that you walk out with. Yeah. And just her being like, you guys got this. Like I've seen you walk through this. She'll like remind you of things that you've overcome together that you're like, Oh yeah, we did get that. Like we can get through this too, whatever. Um, checking in also looks like reading a book and investing in myself, whether that's like a, just a fiction novel that I'm reading for enjoyment and I'm not producing anything and achieving anything because especially with a platform, we're always producing new content and right. new resources and um, it's really nice to, I, I hate using this word, but it's the best one, waste time. You're not actually wasting time, but just waste some time on something you like and or enjoy. Or maybe it's a book that I'm learning from, but um, to create space and time for that. I'll oftentimes in the city go for a walk or a run or a bike ride without my phone, without music, because I'm tempted to take a picture of the pretty flowers yeah, or, or listen to a podcast and get more information in or, you know, write down your checklist as you yes. are having this moment of rest. Exactly. And so I think checking in versus checking out is a huge way that I try to use my space and then creating space is a whole other part of it, right? Creating space for me is saying no a lot and having really good boundaries. Yeah. And that 
came easier the longer I've had kids in my life and experienced motherhood. I, it just came more naturally. Yeah, um, I've gotten better at that. I The first part you're talking about, that's rough for me. This I've gotten better at because as the world gets smaller for you, it's like, this is so precious and I have to use my yes super intentionally in ways that are going to serve my soul, my marriage, my family, and then my ministry. But if it's exactly. there, then it's kind of like, ooh, not right now. <laughs> that's not what God has for me right now. Yes, totally. And so my husband and I try to, once we get settled with a new placement, so this will be starting hopefully later this month with our three boys, we will do a weekly date night without the kids where we have a trusted family friend come hang out with our kids for usually two hours or so. Cause we don't, we're not asking for like the whole night, but we just need to walk out our front door, walk down the street. I mean, this is the beauty of living in Chicago too. It's like, <laughs> we just have things all around us. So walk to some place. Usually we keep it spontaneous. We try not to plan it because how much of our life gets to be spontaneous anymore? None. So we try to make, we try to make That's that good. spontaneous where, where we just walk out the front door, pick what we're going to, you know, where we're going to grab a drink or where we're going to grab a bite to eat and connect. And we will often try to do phoneless dates, which is harder when you have foster kids because you have to be available to be reached if something yeah. happens. And yeah. so one of us will keep our phone on usually I will leave mine behind because I'm a little more attached to it with mm-hmm. photos and social and my, my job. Whereas my husband, it's a lot easier for him to respect that boundary. So he'll bring his so that someone has a way of getting, but it functions as a phone, have. not as a source for the internet. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so phoneless weekly dates, that's one way. And then for myself as an individual working out, whether it's going for a quick run or going to a yoga class, like that has been so helpful for me in terms of, um, actually I'll use my, our son's therapist language, bringing my baseline back down where it belongs. Yeah. She talks a lot about how, you know, when we wake up, maybe we're starting, most people maybe are at a one or a two. And then if something happens, they kind of go up to a three or a four and then something else happens and they go, you know, you go up a little bit and then, uh, you're able to regulate and you come back down, but people who have experienced trauma, have a harder time on that coming back down and coming to their baseline. And anyways, I'm probably totally butchering it, but she's no, like no, so no. I think that's the right language. And that is definitely the dynamic we see in our house. Yeah. And so for me, like I did have trauma in my childhood and then fostering in itself can be traumatic. And so I actually relate so closely to our kids yeah. in yeah. terms of having to bring myself back down and regulate to get to my baseline. And so it's so funny because I feel like I'm walking the same healing journey as our kids at the same time. That is, <laughs> that is one of those, like where you see there, t- you know, that God always has a good plan, that he's always doing something. You don't always know what it is. And to just see like him working in multiple ways at the same time. And like, okay, God, I know that all the hard that's going on right now and all my kids is like, I know that this is about your glory and my good, but I don't know how, but for you to be able Mm -hmm. to point to it in such a tangible way of like, wow, this is literally what you're doing in my heart alongside of them. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. It's been, it's been so good for me and for our family. And that's why I always kind of feel weird when people are like, Oh, your kids are so lucky to have you. I'm like, I'm lucky to have them Yeah, totally making me better and refining me. And Mm. yeah, the way God uses them in our lives has been really, really beautiful. All right. So we went here a little bit. Um, I love just all of that. I mean, we could have talked the whole time on that and that is very much where I am. I'm learning this right now of, I am like a go, go, go. I want to save the world. I want to fill every second of my capacity. And, and so this is really just like soothing to my soul right now and definitely where I am, but I want to switch gears. And some of this is, is what we've been talking about, but I want to know what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? Um, I am currently writing a book. So I'm writing my book. Well, true, true. I wrote a devotional that I self-published. So I guess I should say I'm writing my first traditional book with a publisher. Okay. And so, um, Zondervan. Okay. I just signed with Zondervan a little bit ago. I'm so excited. I love it. Yes. And so, and my book has nothing to do with foster care. So that's a breath of fresh air for me in terms of, um, really my headspace when I'm writing and working on this is, is so not with the kids and where 
while that's great, you know, right now the kids are pretty all consuming, especially because the two younger ones are brand new to, to my yeah, life and yeah. to my care. It's been kind of nice to have a good portion of my hours be focused on content for a book that doesn't have to do directly with them. Of course, everything with foster care just brings right. into my life, but um, that's what I'm doing. Cool. So. All right. What are you eating? Oreos every single day. I eat, <laughs> no, I, I eat a lot of things, but people who follow me online, especially know, like I'm an Oreo fanatic. Thing. I, I always tell people I'm an unashamed Oreo addict. So I have Oreos and milk as my nightly treat. That's oh, the one yeah, okay. consistent. I've definitely seen that in your stories before. <laughs> That's the one consistent thing in my life. I feel like when I have control <laughs> over nothing, <laughs> when I have control over like nothing, right? Cause foster care, you don't have control over things. The one thing I can control, uh, well, I can control a lot of things still, but one of the things I can control is the fact that I can have Oreos and milk every night when those love kids it. are asleep and it is my thing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That That is my kind of thing. Oreos aren't my thing, but having like a food that is going to bring me joy when I've worked my butt off all day, like I yeah. love that. All right. What are you reading? The Awakened Family. Mm, have you heard of it? No. Tell me about it. So I wish I had a copy right next to me. It's by a therapist. And I want to say her name is... That's all right. I'll look it up and link to it. Don't worry. Great. So The Awakened Family, she also wrote a book called The Conscious Parent. Okay. I have heard of that. She's like a therapist, well-known. And to be honest, when someone mailed me The Awakened Family, I'd never read The Conscious Parent, her first or the first one. But The Awakened Family is more is newer. And somebody mailed it to me and said, I think you would love this. It's been really helpful for my family. So I was like, grateful. I started reading it. But I, I'm not going to lie. Even just when I read the back, I was sort of like, okay, this feels very hippie. Like It's basically saying like everything that I knew about parenting and even as a former school teacher, like that I've been doing it wrong. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to buy this. And like, you know, so I was really skeptical, which... I am an Enneagram 8, and so I tend to just be very like, I want to challenge everything, and mm-hmm. I am skeptical about a lot of things. And so I especially was skeptical about how this was going to shape me as a parent for foster kids. I was like, okay, well, she's writing this for people who have biological children. This is, you know, my life is totally different. How is this going to be like relatable and uh, useful for me? But I am loving it and cannot oh, recommend cool. it enough because it's truly just about how not to parent from your ego. And to mm-hmm. parent from a place of awareness and to view your children and their behavior, not as things that are at all related to how you're parenting, but simply what does this mean for me and use it as a mirror and how you react. And it's just been like really enlightening. And so I'm not even halfway through, but I'm loving it. Cool. That's awesome. All right. I will look into that and I'll definitely link to it. So, all right. What are you watching? Big Little Lies. My husband and I just started that show. The show or the newest season? Like, Uh, are you in season one or season? We're in season one. We like just started. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's got like Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, all those. Um, We just started it and we're only a few episodes in, but I am like, even today, I'm like, can we take like a break at lunch and like watch it together? (laughs) Like, it is so good. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah. Yep. The first season, not the second. Okay. Yeah. I'm loving it so far, but we're just a few episodes in. Cool. Uh, so does your husband work at home? Yes. When he's not traveling, he works from home. Oh my gosh. How do you guys get anything done? <laughs> <laughs> we, so he has his own office. Yeah. We're actually, we're actually pretty like hyper-focused people. Me being an eight on the Enneagram and him being a three. Yeah. We can like totally be side by side and just do our so own thing. I'm a seven. <laughs> So I'm like, hey, what are you doing over there? Do you want to do something together? Like, what if we go out and get food right now? Wouldn't that make this so much better? So yeah, that's, oh, that's cool. right. If and he is a three, so he's like, leave me alone. I'm doing my work. I gotta get this done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What are you listening to? Mm. Not much these days. Okay, let In me ask last- you this. Are you mis- music person or word person? Like podcasts and word. Okay. Word, yeah. My husband's like all music, and I'm all word, so it's just an interesting thing. But um, 
I'm not listening to much right now because while spending my days writing, I can't listen to something while I'm writing. And yeah. other other than that, I can't have my headphones and listening to something while my kids are home. So, or I choose not to at least. So right now I am maybe listening to a podcast when I go for a run, but lately it's been leaving my phone behind altogether if I'm out um, doing those things. So if I'm going to listen, I love listening to my friend Annie Downs podcast. That sounds um, fun. Yeah. She, she's just a gem. And she's one of my very I mean, favorites. And I just need fun in my life and everything she brings is fun. And so it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good to, to listen to that. I just listened to her Benjamin Watson one yesterday. I love Benjamin Watson. So I was super psyched to, to hear that. Um, but yeah, she's great. She is. All right. So I want you to share because I'm sure everyone has loved to hear from you. I want you to share with me now where people can find you. Yep. So I'm Manda Carpenter on all my social media. So I pretty much just use Facebook and Instagram. Um, so it's my name is Amanda Carpenter, but since there's another famous Amanda Carpenter, I just dropped the A because all my friends call me Manda anyways. So it's Manda with an M. Okay. And I have my website is mandacarpenter.com and I send emails out. I actually just started this new thing where I'm doing a Tuesday letter. So every two so actually today oh, cool. is the second the second letter that's going out. I'm doing a year of Tuesday letters and I'm not selling things in them and I'm not uh they're just super organic of here I am on a Tuesday and yeah, like yeah. just I'm literally word vomiting. So you're kind of getting an inside look at my diary okay. every Tuesday. So most of my readers and audience have subscribed and are like, have always loved my emails. Cause that's where I can go like the most deep and I sort of treat them like my inner Feels circle. More versus, right. Yeah. And no, so you wouldn't put just a public. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Cool. All right. Well, I'll link to that also so people can subscribe and maybe I'll try to get the one on racism and foster care from you and link to that specifically yes. because I that is a can of worms I would love to go into, but it has been great. There have been so many times that I want to go somewhere, but we have a limited time and so we'll just have to do it again sometime. But I've loved getting yes. to talk to you and just hear from you. Thanks so much just for sharing your heart, your experience. Um, for sharing it all two weeks into a brand new placement. <laughs> I am super impressed. So thanks for your time. This was really a joy. Thanks. It was great chatting. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.